mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a closer look at one of the most talked about issues in the community for months. Commissioner William Bateson discusses his vote this week in favor of prohibiting future large-scale wind and solar projects in much of Hancock County. Meanwhile, Economic Development Director Tim Miley offers his take on how future investment projects may be impacted by the Commissioner's approval of such exclusion zones. And also this morning, a salute to the men and women who have embraced the role of citizen soldier and their distinguished legacy of service on the occasion of the 114th birthday of the U.S. Army Reserve. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, April 21st, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is Tuna Rights Day. <laughs> Set my tuna free. Um, also, it is Kindergarten Day. National Bulldogs Are Beautiful Day. It is Big Word Day. So you can become a sesquipedalian orator today. Big Word Day. Thank you for Libraries Day. Go to the library and look up the word sesquipedalian. Um, National Chocolate-Covered Cashews Day. Yum, yum. There you go. The reasons to uh, celebrate today. There were some uh, anxious moments yesterday in Washington, D.C., the uh, nation's capital. Uh, did you hear about this? Uh, about uh, 6.30, 6.45 yesterday evening, uh, there was an alert that went out. In the U.S. Capitol Police, they evacuated the Capitol. Congress is not in session, but uh, there was a threat detected. Um, initially, they called it a probable threat to the U.S. Capitol. Um, and, the, and it happened, I mean, the timing was just ridiculous on this because it was like 6.30, 6.45, so it was right as the uh, network evening news was going on the air, so they... You know, broke into the network evening news, this you know breaking story, the uh, Capitol under lockdown and it had been eva- well, it had been evacuated and they said that there was this threat. It turned out and wasn't just the Capitol, several other buildings were evacuated. Uh, yeah, here it says an aircraft posed a probable threat to the U.S. Capitol. And uh, this lasted about 20 minutes and it turned out that a group of parachutists headed to the Washington Nationals baseball game <laughs> was was to blame. Um, reports uh, out of D.C. say the aircraft was being used for a parachute landing demonstration at the Nats baseball game during military appreciation night. And uh, after about 20 minutes, police gave the all clear to the area. Did they not clear that with the Capitol Police first? I mean... You would think that that would be something that they would uh, that they would clear first, but uh, apparently some confusion caused and some anxious moments. Uh, the U.S. Capitol uh, yesterday evening, but all is well, so that is uh, good news. Speaking of D.C., there is news that uh, President Biden will attend the annual White House Correspondents Association dinner later this month. The first time the sitting president will be in attendance since uh, then-President Barack Obama's final year in office, 2016. Donald Trump chose not to go when he was president, and uh, it was canceled in 2020 and 2021 because of the pandemic. So the uh, organization tweeted the news that uh, the president and first lady will be at the dinner on April 30th, which will honor the First Amendment. Uh, Trevor, Trevor Noah, host of The Daily Show, will be the event's headline headlining entertainer. Um, remember, for the 2019 dinner, a historian was chosen to speak, breaking the tradition of having a comedian perform and roast the president and members of his administration and the media and joke about current events. After the, there have been some criticism, some of the sharp jabs by the comics who had recently hosted. For this year's dinner... The association is requiring that all attendees be fully vaccinated and show a negative COVID result uh, from a rapid test earlier that day. So, presuming that the president can meet those requirements, 
<laughs> and I think he can. Uh, the uh, president will be at the White House uh, Press Association uh, correspondent or a correspondence association dinner later this month. So, which I, I think has always has been kind of a, a cool uh, event for the uh, president to attend. So that's good. Glad that tradition is back. Um, the other big news in sports yesterday. Did you hear this? The All England Club has announced that players from Russia and Belarus will be banned from Wimbledon this year. All because of the war in Ukraine. Wimbledon begins June 27th. And uh, that means several high-ranking players will be banned. Uh, world number two, Daniel Medvedev, uh, the reigning U.S. Open champion, uh, will be among those on the men's side that won't be there. Uh, Victoria Azarenka, former number one, and Anastasia Pavlikachengova, the runner-up to the French Open uh, last year, will be among the women who will not participate. The uh, All England Club said it is our responsibility to play our part in the widespread efforts to limit Russia's global influence through the strongest means possible. So they can't go to Wimbledon. Now that'll get to Putin right there. <laughs> what, we can't go to Wimbledon? Um, it's kind of interesting. The ATP men's tour and WTA women's tour both criticized the decision. Uh, they don't think it's they don't think it's right. Um, the French Open next month will be the first of tennis's Grand Slam tournaments to be held since the Ukrainian invasion. And they are expected to allow Russian and Belarus- Belarusian players to participate, but only as neutral athletes who will not be allowed to represent their countries. I don't know. I And I know the... the uh, Olympics have done that uh, because of the doping scandals and, and and so on. Has it really impacted anything? And we know we know where they're from, right? We know where they're from. So the fact that they just on TV don't show the Russian flag next to their name does that really make a difference? I mean, I think I'm with uh, Wimbledon on this. Kick them out. Don't let them participate. If you really want to take a stand, take a stand. Don't be wishy-washy about it, you know? So uh, we'll see um, what the pushback may be from the French Open and from Wimbledon, taking two different uh, tracks uh, in the world of tennis on dealing with that situation. A couple of other uh, items here among the first things you need to know this morning. New research out of Germany finds that uh, cutting your smartphone use by just one hour per day leaves people feeling less anxious, more satisfied with life, and more likely to exercise. So if you are among those, and I think we all recognize that this is maybe something we need to do, is uh, cut the proverbial cord or the I guess there is no cord. That's that is kind of an outdated saying, isn't it? Cutting the cord because we don't have cords anymore. Uh, but anyway, if you know that you should, but you can't bring yourself to put down your smartphone, this is good news because these researchers find that just one hour per day will do the trick. Participants who use their phones for one hour less a day for a week long experiment reported reduced symptoms of depression lowered nicotine consumption. Participants who abstained from using their phones completely for the duration of the experiment reported they used their smartphones an average of 38 minutes less per day, even four months after the experiment ended. So if you can put it down completely for a week, then you can start a habit that will carry you through for at least the next four months or longer. The leader of the study, Dr. Julia uh, Braleskofia, <laughs> I know I didn't say that right, but the leader of the study, and this is research out of Germany, basically the bottom line, she says, it is not necessary to completely give up your smartphone in order to feel better. Just one hour a day will do the trick. So there you go. Maybe you go cold turkey for a couple of days uh, to sort of jolt your system into a new way of thinking. But after that, you're good to go. 
That is good news. You try that. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, this is a bit of a follow-up because I remember we talked about this a couple of months ago, uh, this pilot study in Florida where millions of genetically engineered mosquitoes were released into the wild uh, to try and neutralize or wipe out the population of dangerous mosquitoes. And the results are in. Some referred to this as the Jurassic Park experiment for mosquitoes when it was announced last year. But so far, everything is going according to plan. This is according to Oxitec, the British biotech firm that is responsible for this uh, project. The experiment is part of a long-term plan to develop new tools in the fight against invasive uh, mosquitoes, which can carry Zika, other deadly viruses and disease. Because mosquitoes, that's one of the things they're famous for. Well, genetically modified male mosquitoes were released into the wild to mate with females. And as hoped, the affected female offspring die before reaching adulthood and male offspring uh, carried the engineered gene to control the mosquito population. By the way, engineered males and their offspring do not bite humans. So the females die. The males don't bite you. This is a good thing, right? This is a really good thing. And apparently the uh, study has gone as planned. So genetically modified mosquitoes. I mean, I know that it's uh, dangerous to fiddle with Mother Nature's creation, but if we can wipe out the mosquito, (laughs) I'm all in. There you go. Uh, That is uh, the uh, news, the most interesting and buzzworthy news of the day. The first things you need to know to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. Your WTOL 11 weather, a chance of some morning showers, then gradually clearing with a high 67, also windy, partly cloudy tonight with low 45. 60 people became American citizens during a naturalization ceremony at the University of Findlay. Some local high school seniors spoke at the ceremony. Jenna Hartman, a senior at Corey Rawson, came to the U.S. from China when she was only a one-year-old. She spoke about the responsibility of voting. As a United States citizen, you now have an equal say as everyone else on how our government should be run, who should be in office, and you have the option to declare yourself to a political party and take a public stance when it comes to politics. You are entitled to any opinion and can vote to ensure that your voice is heard. The 60 new American citizens come from 27 different countries. See video from the ceremony on our website. Firefighters in Faustoria rescued a dog from a burning house on Bulger Avenue on Wednesday afternoon on the report of an active fire. Firefighters entered the structure and found the fire on the second floor and extinguished it. A dog was removed from the house and returned to its owner. The cause of the fire is believed to be electrical in nature. No injuries were reported. The Red Cross is assisting the owner with arrangements. A memorial for former Ohio State Buckeye quarterback Dwayne Haskins is growing at Pittsburgh's Heinz Field. Fans are leaving pictures, flowers, and candles outside the stadium. The 24-year-old former Buckeye died earlier this month. He was struck by a dump truck while trying to cross a highway on foot in South Florida. Haskins' wife has thanked fans for their kindness and support during this difficult time. The Steelers are holding an official event to honor Haskins' life on Friday. That's ONN's Yolanda Harris reporting. Governor DeWine has announced that the Ohio Army National Guard will aid Ukraine by providing armored personnel carriers for use during continued Russian aggression. The governor said as we continue to learn more about the Russian war crimes in Ukraine, Ohioans stand ready to help the Ukrainian people in any way possible. He added that Ohio has a strong Ukrainian community and that Ohio stands behind them and their families overseas. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. So our cover story this morning, take a closer look at an issue that has had the community buzzing for quite some time now. Kind of came to a head this week when Hancock County commissioners voted in favor of a measure that would establish 
so-called exclusion zones, prohibiting future large-scale wind and solar projects in much of Hancock County. Commissioner William Bateson is with us uh, on the line this morning. And uh, Bill, you got an awful big earful of arguments on both sides of this issue over the past several weeks and months. What ultimately was the uh, persuasive argument that convinced you to vote the way you did in favor of those exclusion zones? Uh, well, good morning, Chris, and thanks for uh, having us on, or me on. And uh, we've been dealing this with this for a little over a year. Uh, a year ago, April, uh, the uh, two existing uh, solar uh, industrial solar uh, facilities came to us, uh, and we they asked us to sign a pilot, which is a payment in lieu of taxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, in Columbus, uh, this same situation had been brought to the legislature, and uh, in. Through all of that, uh, Senate Bill 52 was enacted, which came in uh, to light uh, last October 10th, which gave more authority for local control throughout the state. And then, uh, at first, they wanted the township trustees to make these decisions, and then uh, through negotiations, it ended up on the commissioner's desk. So every, every county in Ohio, all 88, now the commissioners have the ability to, uh, ha- you know, designate, decide whether uh, yeah. wind, large-scale wind or uh, solar can come in. So we've been on a journey of, of trying to find those answers uh, on, on what would be the best, best decision to make. And I guess through, through my journey, is, um, as, as we look at this renewable energy, we see uh, different pluses and minuses for them. Uh, you know, the big argument at first was property rights. Many of the uh, Ohio's um, organizations for agriculture were against uh, Senate Bill 52, mm-hmm. but it passed, it passed anyway. And uh, so, so it came down, at least for me, to look at how green, how good for the earth, because that's why we're, we have... Uh, renewables anyhow to decrease our dependency on uh, polluting type electric electrical mm-hmm. electricity generation right and and i guess for me uh looking back looking at it and seeing what we're already doing with this land what we're producing uh and those benefits for um everything outweighed the uh positives of large-scale solar do you I, I get where you're what what you're saying there, and I understand the the argument you're making. But uh, this isn't necessarily a, a competition of what what use is greener than another. You mentioned the property rights argument. Um, that for you was not uh, was not persuasive enough that this is an issue of property owners' rights. If my uh, if I own a plot of land and I can make uh, more money uh by leasing that out as a uh solar or wind uh project as opposed to farming it um you know shouldn't that be ultimately up to the uh owner rather than the government sure sure but the rules that these these facilities were coming in were under utilities and utilities supersede any any zoning or anything like that because you know as we think of utilities we think of telephone so, poles right. substations those type of things that clearly benefit the uh society as a whole so so and, to and, be- and these these uh industrial sized uh electricity generating facilities what they do they're a private company they come in under the same rules that mm-hmm. that agricultural zoning has no effect on so they're coming in as that now the argument is: Are they really a utility, or are they uh, yeah. no different than than a, than a factory going in? So, 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 so your the, argument: the property rights are are kind of pushed down a little bit by that. So, so in other words, now, 
Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so in other words, uh, when you look at this, um, you see it as, as kind of a zoning, giving, uh, giving uh, government entities sort of the uh, flexibility that goes away because the zoning rules don't, the, the zoning laws don't uh, typically apply uh, in right. this case. So it gives you that, that option. And, and right. that actually kind of brings up the, um, the issue of, when we talk about these again, or they're talking, they they're called exclusion zones. But mm-hmm. are they? Would it be more accurate to call them limitation zones? Because there is still the possibility of what I think there's a limit of uh, fifty megawatt uh, yes. uh, development, which would still be some five hundred acres. So that still would be fairly sizable. Um, yeah. And and are you available uh, able to carve out exceptions uh, in a case by case basis? Yes, you still can under SB 52. Um, it is amendable. This is the, um, the exclusion zone are amendable. So if let's say let's say someone has a piece of, of ground that isn't producing anything, hasn't produced anything for years, is maybe a highly erodible situation, mm-hmm. or right up next to you know a town or a factory or something in that way. And everyone's in agreement that, hey, you know what? We can do this here. It can be amended. So, so you basically have a, uh, almost a right of first refusal, I guess, uh, um, as to where through, these go. Through a long process, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and it also has been po- uh, pointed out, and I, I think this is an important point to make sure that we emphasize, this does not affect the two projects that are already in the works. Um, and, and some have uh, theorized that what the ultimate goal is, is to kill those projects and, and make sure that those projects ultimately do not happen. So just to clarify, is that in any way, shape or form the goal of the vote this week? No, no, because that, that exactly like you described, it doesn't kill those projects. Um, and those projects can move forward if if uh, if they choose to, and I I, I believe they are. Uh, the one in Cass Township is actually at the Ohio Siding Board. Uh, they started on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and they were having uh, the availability of up to three days of hearing for that facility. And what about the economic development argument? Uh, again, and a little bit later on, we'll be speaking with uh, Economic Development Director Tim Miley. Uh, he has uh, argued that this might have a trickle-down effect, that future investment projects may be looking for um, areas where the investment in green energy uh, is substantial. Uh, did that give you pause or are there any concerns in your mind uh, about that trickle-down effect and how it might ultimately impact future economic development projects well sure sure you know like i said over the last year we've been looking at all these things and seeing how they uh, affect and a lot of times um i i believe a lot of what he's talking about are are these energy credits Mm -hmm. that that uh, a company can uh, acquire and um, that in, in their green footprint and their carbon or the overall carbon reduction for that facility or that company, they're looking to buy these energy credits. Now, the nice thing is, and we do it today, is you can, those energy credits are like, like out on the stock market. You can go and purchase those any energy credits from any energy producing facility throughout the United States. Um, if you're familiar over west of us in Van Wert and Paulding County is a huge mm-hmm. uh, wind turbine uh, facility. Right. And a lot of those energy credits are bought up by Google in California. So those energy credits are out there and you can get them. A, a company can go get them there. Like I said, they're like on the open market. Again, uh, Hancock County Commissioner William Bateson uh, this morning uh, discussing his vote this week in favor of the so-called exclusion zones to restrict future large-scale wind and solar projects in much of Hancock County. Commissioner Bateson, thanks very much for uh, taking the time sharing your perspective on this. Thanks, Chris.
to the second part of our cover story this morning. We are joined by Economic Development Director Tim Miley. After the Hancock County Commissioners earlier this week approved a measure carving out so-called exclusion zones, restricting future large-scale wind and solar projects in much of the county. Tim, I know you were uh, one of the uh, big lobbyists uh, uh, in in favor of rejecting those uh, exclusion zones. Um, the argument, however, and we were talking uh, with uh, Commissioner Bateson uh, just a moment ago, and, and he uh, pointed out that this does not necessarily prohibit uh, these projects. Uh, it, it merely restricts them. Your argument is this could impact future economic development uh, projects. How so? Well, it does exclude them, without a doubt, in the 15 or 16 townships that they excluded. So anything that meets an economically significant wind or solar project was defined by the capacity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those will not happen there under this vote. Um, So what we've always said, Senate Bill 52, and I heard Commissioner Bateson, and he kind of laid out the history very well this morning for that, Mm -hmm. also changed the whole process. And what, what I've been saying all along is, if they pass an exclusion zone, developers will no longer do the legwork early on for a project because you can't do the project anymore. Senate Bill 52 allowed the commissioners to be the first vote for a project, which is new. That never used to happen. Mm-hmm. So why pass an exclusion zone when Senate Bill 52 requires any developer that is economically significant under the law, their first stop, they go to the commissioners, and the commissioners can say, Yes, no, maybe so. <laughs> they can they can say any of that. So to clarify, uh, what you're saying is that, uh, again, as we were kind of framing it with uh, Commissioner Bateson, this measure, in the view of, of many, would give the commissioners the sort of right of first refusal uh, that they could carve out exceptions. There, there's no one to give a first but, refusal to, Chris. They, but, you have, but you say that that was actually already in the bill, that they already had that. That's been our argument the entire time, is we, if anybody develops, they have to do it responsibly. And you've seen that with Border Basin and South Branch. There are, I think Border Basin has 44 conditions on it. South Branch has 50 conditions. They still have to go to the power siting board and be approved there. There's a lot of work that goes through. There have been local hearings, which I've testified, and a lot of other people. As he mentioned, there's hearings in Columbus of of going through the whole process. But the whole change in Senate Bill 52 is it used to be the developer would do the legwork, and then they'd file with the power siting board, and they'd go through the power siting board process. Now, anything going forward, they go to the county commissioners first. And at that point, the commissioners can allow it to move forward with the power siting board process. They can say, no further, you are not going to develop. They don't need an exclusion zone to do that. They have the right to say that. Or they can amend it. They can amend it in terms of size of capacity, or they can amend it in terms of geography. That will never happen because the exclusion zones we- now have eliminated development. When when you say that that will never happen, again, the commissioner was saying that they can uh, make exceptions and they can they amend would have to, that. They would have to amend it. But if you are going to, these projects take years in pre-development. No one is going to pre-develop a project in a community that has excluded that project. So there's a de facto uh, prohibition in the in the fact that it's not the fact. It, it no, is what, no. What I'm <laughs> they, saying, no, they prohibited it. What I mean is uh, that the uh, ability to amend it basically is for it's all there. intents and purposes. It's, it's there, there, but it's not there. Is but what you're saying? Of course, it's there. They could, but yeah. n- there's not going to be a project presented to them. Most likely, Senate yeah. Bill 52 was designed so projects would have to come to the commissioners. Mm -hmm. But it allowed this other option that you could exclude them. The other thing Senate Bill 52 did was it gave the county commissioners a voting seat on the Ohio Power Siting Board. So they had the initial vote before the Power Siting Board. And then when it would go through that process, they would actually, right now they don't, on Border Basin South Branch, you know, they get a seat at the table. They, they, They can file as interveners, but they don't actually get a vote. Going forward, they would. Okay. Um, now, this uh, encompasses most of the county. These exclusion zones Correct. incorporate most of the county. We're encouraged by the fact that there were some areas that this wasn't just blanket 
for the entire county. Well, there were the, the vote was 2-1 to begin with. So um, Commissioners Bateson and Peppo voted for the exclusion zone. Commissioner mm-hmm. Bechtel voted against the exclusion zone. Right. So even within the commissioners, it wasn't it wasn't unanimous. Big Lick Township elected not to go with the their township trustees did not pass the exclusion zone mm-hmm. resolution that was sent to the commissioners. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't affect any municipalities, city of Finley or yeah. any of the other municipalities. So, right. but so beyond the fact that of, I view that it was somewhat unnecessary for the exclusion zones because of the power Senate bill 52 gave to the county commissioners. Mm-hmm. It's, renewable energy is not always just a solar farm or a wind farm. It is changing to be, on-site generation for large consumers of power. And the example that I sent to the commissioners and I talked about on Tuesday with the commissioners is Project Nova. It's a lead that we're working on, a lithium-ion battery advanced manufacturing facility. They specifically said in the the lead they would want 600 acres for solar on-site. That would most likely be above the threshold and so the exclusion zone would not allow that to happen. That was the the other uh, point. And again, we're talking about large scale uh, projects. That uh, limitation is fifty megawatts, correct? Um, which covers. I mean, that would be some five hundred. Yeah, it's about a ten six, to one ratio. Yeah. Generally, so you're talking about five hundred acres. That's pretty large scale uh, already, though. Correct. So, it is. And but and I know um, Commissioner Bateson mentioned he's his kind of threshold was what's greener of going through. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to not have the exclusion zone. So every project, a solar, a traditional solar farm could be viewed differently than a company that's going to employ 2000 people and invest $5 billion, but wants solar there, but it would meet that threshold. Those are two different scenarios. And at this point, they're all excluded. That that again brings up the the point, and and it's one that you have made uh, before uh, that the concern is not just uh, the elimination of these projects directly, but the trickle down effect of other potential economic development that would hinge on green energy development being available within the same general area. Correct. Re- yeah, and renewable energy, green energy, alternative energy whatever you want to call it, continues to go down in price. And that's why companies are looking at it. That's why we see companies participate with One Energy. It's not because they um, necessarily want to be nice to the environment. It's driving down cost. And mm-hmm. and the technologies are going to continue to get better and drive costs down further. So it, it is so basic in my mind is Senate Bill 52 gave unprecedented power to the commissioners. Every project has to go before them. Why are we going to eliminate even viewing the projects by an exclusion zone when some projects are going to be developed more responsibly than others? Some may have more job creation, different uses, whatever that case may be. So that's why we want to hit the pause button and say, let's just view it project by project and you can vote it down at that point if you want. So, uh, and, and again, the point has been made, this does not derail the two projects that are that's, in the pipeline already. Does this throw any sort of monkey wrench in that or it, does this give those developers pause? It, uh, they, those developers did not want to see an exclusion zone, but they are grandfathered in. So it does not affect them. This is not to be used by the power siting board in the determination of, in fact, both of those projects, the power siting board staff report, have both come out and recommended to the Ohio Power Siting Board Board of Directors to approve it. And those projects are moving along. There was hearings this week. Next week, there's a local hearing for South Branch. There's always a local hearing and then kind of a state hearing for the for the interveners. So those, And that was one thing we wanted to make crystal clear because there's been a lot of confusion a lot of people that were for the exclusion zones were people that were trying to eliminate South Branch and Border Basin. And, and they and want them to be disappointed when they find out that that that's not the fight that they may have been fighting for the exclusion zone is not the case. That, that's not the case. Um, but it does raise the, uh, the, the general question, and we're running a little bit short on time, but I want yeah. to throw this out here because the general question is if the residents of these townships or these areas don't want these projects, yeah. then – you know, isn't that a persuasive enough argument? If we don't want them, we're not going to, you know, and, you know, I guess they are comfortable dealing with the possible fallout of uh, it's a slippery lack of slope. economic development. Um, I've avoided talking about property rights because I'm mm-hmm. an economic developer and don't want to get into that issue. But you know, Commissioner Bateson mentioned that the poultry, the dairy, the pork producers, Ohio Farm Bureau, 
Ohio Manufacturer Association, Ohio Business Roundtable, they were all opposed to Senate Bill 52 because it comes into then do you want to live next to a solar farm or a hog farm? And then are we doing exclusion zones for them too? So it's a, it's a interesting debate. That portion I have no interest in participating in, but it was part of the statewide discussion. But I will say, um, Chris, you know, the commissioners have been open. I've met with them a lot. Last week I talked to the entire Township Trustee Association at their meeting. Mm-hmm. They've asked a lot of good questions because as we've discussed many times, there's payment in lieu of taxes and school districts and revenue, and it's a complicated topic. Does uh, does the conversation continue then? Is this, uh, is this matter settled, or are you hoping that it will be revisited and maybe uh, you know, repealed? Alternative energy is not going away. So we're going we're gonna to continue to, to pursue companies and, and work through that process. And um, I was glad Commissioner Bateson says it is amendable. Um, and, you know, I understand where they're at right now, but maybe there is some things in the future that may change. Maybe, maybe energy even gets more efficient and meets his threshold. But it, the reality of it is in economic development, energy is, is one of the number one costs of business, and we want to have the lowest cost. We will leave it there. Again, uh, Economic Development Director Tim Miley this morning offering his take on the uh, uh, impact of the restriction of uh, future uh, uh, major alternative energy projects in these uh, so-called exclusion zones. Tim, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. You're welcome. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Wonder what Harry Potter would think of this. A 29-year-old man from Woodbury, Minnesota, stands accused of pointing a wizard's wand at a hotel employee uh, on Friday. Skylar Thomas has been charged with fifth-degree assault and trespassing in connection with the incident at the Hyatt Place Hotel. Simply waving a wizard wand. He also threw out a few racial slurs at the time. I don't know putting a hex on the hotel staff. Mr. Thomas allegedly used a 16-inch wand he'd made out of a stick during the incident, uh, and that prompted the hotel employee to pull out a gun in an effort to defend himself. <laughs> this this escalated quickly. Uh, what is that scene from uh, Indiana Jones where uh, the guy... Uh, jumps in front of uh, Indy and uh, takes out his whip and or was it his whip or his uh, sword and he's you know brandishing it about and he's twirling it and he's you know trying to be intimidating and so Indy just pulls out a gun and shoots the guy. <laughs> That's kind of what I envision here. He's waving his wizard's wand and he's casting his spell and the hotel employee just pulls out his gun and say, uh, "I got you. I got this." Uh, No injuries reported in the entire incident. Police say the wand was a hard pointed, uh, had a hard pointed metal part at the end and has a knife like appearance. And that is the reason for the charges. So (laughs) just a very unusual uh, scene there at the uh, Hyatt place in uh, where was that Bloomington, uh, Minnesota on Friday? Uh, this is, this is crazy. Have you ever been to a wedding where something goes haywire and you've got a story to tell later about the nuptials? Well, a uh, bride and her caterer in Florida are both charged with, uh, serving drugged food at their wedding. The bride was actually charged in conjunction with the caterer. A guest called 911 after becoming dizzy and disoriented after the meal, according to, uh, the Seminole County Sheriff's Office, the food was laced with marijuana. Uh, Dania Glenny, the bride, denied the allegation, but testing found traces of cannabis. She and caterer Jocelyn Bryant are charged with food tampering, negligence, and illegal delivery of a controlled substance. (laughs) Apparently the bride was in on this. (laughs) That's crazy. Speaking of crazy things happening at uh, weddings, a bride in India has taken social media by storm. This would be your viral video. You can go and look this up if you haven't already seen it. Uh, There is a video of the bride slapping the groom and storming off the stage during the ceremony. 
the bride and groom are seen surrounded by guests on a stage for the uh, traditional uh, Indian wedding ceremony uh, where the bride and groom meet before starting the wedding. As the groom is about to garland the bride, she slaps him hard across the face and then strikes him several more times before storming off while the shocked groom and guests <laughs> look on simply aghast at the developments. Uh, now, apparently, matters worsened quickly and few people from the groom's side were also beaten up before local police <laughs> officers were called in to help calm things down. Uh, the bride's relatives explained that the bride's behavior uh, was caused uh, by, uh, apparently she was, um, well, they want to say possessed, but she was uh, taken over by an, a, an evil spirit. <laughs> That's the explanation. Well, okay. I don't know if the uh, wedding ended up taking place after she had calmed down or... I think I would uh, would say, you know what? I'm not going to go through with this. <laughs> Having second thoughts. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news here this morning, a Pennsylvania school district is saying no to a request to create an after-school program at the elementary school. Um, it's not that they have a pro- problem with after-school programs, but this was a satan club that they decided to eh, no we probably should not do that uh, northern york county district officials voted against the motion eight to one last night after hearing from parents for and against the proposal opponents of the club voiced their uh, beliefs that satan is a sign of deception and evil supporters of the motion said the matter was about free speech and children being able to make their own choices I'm thinking that's probably a good idea. Uh, Satan, after school Satan club at an elementary school. Probably not something we need. (laughs) The fact that this was even a thing just leaves me shaking my head. And finally, the uh, broken news this morning. Our dumb criminal of the day is uh, 50-year-old David Latino who held up a bank on uh, Main Street in Sellington, Connecticut. Um, This actually happened uh, last October. Uh, Apparently, he's just now uh, getting his his trial underway for this. He robbed a bank, held up a bank on Main Street during the Apple Harvest Festival (laughs) in Sellington, Connecticut. Um, police say that the release of the surveillance uh, video showed uh, led to numerous tips that identified Mr. Latino as the suspect. Um, oh, he was just sentenced. That was the reason why this is in the news now. He was just sent- sentenced to spend two years in prison. Um, and here's the kicker. He held up the same bank in 2016. And he went to prison for that one uh, as well. So I don't know if he figured he uh, would try again. Maybe maybe he'd have better luck this time. I'm not sure. But, you know, if you five or six years later <laughs> think you go back to the same same bank. Oh, nobody will recognize me here. Uh, nope, they did. <laughs> Robbed the same bank a second time. He's going to prison again. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and good mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com. Where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, much has been uh, said about uh, the uh, cancel culture of today, the way, 
It seems as though when somebody famous, a celebrity, an artist uh, will say something or do something that offends the sensibilities of a certain segment of the population, that they are sort of blackballed. They are, you know, they are canceled. That's where the term comes from. They are canceled uh, by the culture and uh, their careers are harmed. Um, their ability to make a living is uh, goes away. Should content creators uh, be canceled for their personal opinions? According to two out of three Americans, the answer is a resounding no, which may be I thought was a bit surprising. This uh, survey conducted by market research firm One Poll of 2000 Americans focuses on past and present fandoms. And of those polled, 58% agree with the premise that it is never okay to boycott an artist's work based on their personal opinions. 61% acknowledge that it would significantly impact their enjoyment if a creator uh, said something reprehensible. But 68% believe that it is still possible to separate the art from the artist. Which begs the question that if two-thirds or more of Americans say that cancel culture is unfair, why does it still happen so often? Well, did you know that on April 23rd, this Saturday, the U.S. Army Reserve marks its 114th birthday? We honor the generations of individuals who have embraced the role of citizen-soldier and those who continue the proud and distinguished legacy of service. Joining us this morning is Lieutenant General Jody Daniels, Chief of Army Reserve and Commanding General, U.S. Army Reserve Command. That's right, we go straight to the top on this program. General, thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. I am told that the theme of this year's birthday observance is America's Army Reserve and its people shaping tomorrow. Kind of expand on the meaning behind that theme. So this year's theme speaks to our priorities because none of what we do now and into the future would be possible without our people. The Army Reserve has always been and will continue to be comprised of great men and women with unique talents and abilities. So those abilities manifest themselves through bravery, strong ambition, and leadership. And on the bravery front, I'll give you a quick story. Uh, we have an avid skydiver, Master Sergeant Jennifer Davidson. She's an Army Reserve Golden Knight demonstration team member. She's logged over 8,000 jumps of a perfectly good aircraft. She's been on the team for 13 years. And now she's on her way to become a pilot by attending U.S. Army's aviation school. Wow. So, again, she's you know looking forward to her future. Uh, obviously, you know, that story is proof. And, and your own story is is proof of the opportunities that are, that are available to those who serve in the U.S. Army Reserve. Talk a little bit about your career and how you got to where you are. So, you know, absolutely. It's been, you know, first of all, a heck of a lot of hard work. Um but it's also been a matter of taking some, some broadening positions where I had a pretty steep learning curve, you know, such as a commander of a unit that was filled with drill sergeants um, and a civil affairs deployment over to Kosovo, a senior intelligence officer, you know, for the Africa Command. So these each afforded me the opportunity to blend some skills that I had acquired through my civilian career with those leadership lessons I was learning in military school. I also had some, some great mentors who thought highly enough of me to encourage me to take me down a path that I might not otherwise have followed. And their confidence in me inspired me to apply to graduate school and, you know, to take those stretch positions. Mm -hmm. So these tough positions, you know, they challenged me and they made me work hard. And then you add in a mindset of continuous learning and teamwork. You know, that also helped me to succeed, plus enabling me when I went on to the next position. And I can say the same of all of my soldiers. They inspire me every day by overcoming challenges as they integrate their civilian and their military careers. You know, I did not know this as I was uh, reading some of the background on the 114th uh, birthday of the uh, U.S. Army Reserve, uh, that the reserve was actually started as a small medical reserve 114 years ago. And... I, I did not realize that that was the beginning of the U.S. Army Reserve. Obviously, since then, um, the 
Army Reserve is mobilized. Uh, it says here more than a million soldiers on a wide variety of missions. You mentioned some that you uh, have been a part of. And obviously it is globally, domestically, even in their own community that Army Reserve soldiers serve. Yes. So if I could, I'd like to give you another quick story. Um, Sergeant Reneal Campbell, a 22-year-old uh, U.S. Army Reserve drill sergeant, pre-med student at Temple University, hmm. entrepreneur, motivational speaker, model, and pageant competitor. She serves her community, you know, as a student, as a business owner, as a motivational speaker, and as a soldier. You know, her Army Reserve uh, time affords her the opportunity to achieve her goal while helping others achieve theirs. Um, we also have uh, the 936 Ford Resuscitative Surgical Detachment out of Paducah, Kentucky. And earlier this month, I had the great opportunity of recognizing 14 of those soldiers for not only their deployment and service at Harmad, Harmid Kazai International Airport in Afghanistan, but we were able to pin their service awards and combat action badges on their uniforms for continually engaging and treating military and civilian patients, plus caring for orphans until the last elements of the 82nd Airborne uh, departed on 30 August. Mm. So just an amazing group of soldiers. Yeah. And, and I think it also speaks to the dedication of uh, those in the U.S. Army Reserve that they approach uh, their duty with the same uh, diligence, the same vigilance, whether it's around the world or around the corner. I know that almost sounds kind of cliche, but it really is true in this case. Absolutely. You'll find us in 110, uh, I keep saying 110, 1,100 different communities across America. Hmm. You know, they are your colleagues, classmates, employees, neighbors, friends. You'll, you'll find them just about everywhere. What is the key takeaway that you want people to remember when we talk about the Army Reserve's 114th birthday? If we remember nothing else, we should know this. So for 114 years, you know, your great Americans, fellow Americans, selfless Americans, you know, they've, they've been succeeding in the workplace, school, home, battlefield. But life is not only about who you are in the present but who you would like to become in the future. And joining the Army Reserve is an amazing option to become the person of your future. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, musician, cyber warrior, engineer, truck driver, skydiver, Olympic athlete, or even an astronaut while serving in the Army Reserve. And for more information about any of those career opportunities uh, and more about the Army Reserve to become a part of your story, uh, you can visit www.usar.army.mil. Obviously, we will have that linked up on our webpage as well. Again, Lieutenant General Jody Daniels, Chief of Army Reserve and Commanding General, the U.S. Army Reserve Command. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time for us this morning, and happy birthday. Thank you very much. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program as always. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. So check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, going green doesn't have to be complicated. We have simple, everyday things you can do to reduce your environmental footprint and even save some money for Earth Day. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.